Welcome to the Lucatino Show, where we can learn to reimagine our lifestyle. Hi, Shalini. It's a pleasure, pleasure to have you on my show today, which is called Reimagine Your Lifestyle. The vision of our show is very, very, very simple. We speak to people around the world who have the ability to empower ourselves and our audience to just reimagine their lifestyle. Because I have this strong belief that we can't build on a broken system. You know, sometimes we need to, you know, change the entire foundation and start to build again. And that's why we call this Reimagine Your Lifestyle, where we look at our lifestyle and we'll say, okay, these are a couple of things we need to change when it comes to your health, when it comes to your exercise, your emotional wellness, your sleep. And I've been waiting to get you on the show for the longest time because I remember a couple of years ago coming down to Tata Memorial Hospital to meet you. And I remember you picked me up from the entrance and that difficult walk for me, you know, down the passageways with young kids with cancer. Some of them just finished their treatments right up to your office. And, and I asked you, do you do this every day? You said, I've been doing it for back then 15 years. And now I believe it's 17 years. Every day, this is your walk to your office. You've inspired me in many ways, you know, to look at service in a different way and to figure out that there's more than just donations of money. While that can be important and supportive, but service, time, volunteering, blood platelet donation. So I'm really happy to have you on the show, Shalini. And today, I would love for you to start off by taking us through your journey. It's not easy to be in that hospital setting for 17 years, seeing small children with cancer, babies with cancer, and seeing them die sometimes, seeing some of them survive and live beautiful lives, as well as adults from all across the country. So I would love for you to start off with your journey from you know what got you into service. Was this always your dream to get into service? Over to you. Thank you, Luke. And it's such a pleasure to be sitting here today and talking to you. And uh, believe you me, I've been reading about you, knowing about your work since so many years. And it's a complete pleasure for me to know somebody you. like you. Um, talking about my journey, in fact, I'd like to mention here that uh, my uh, first exposure to social service happened uh, many, many years back when I was in school in grade six. I had taken up social service as my uh, sixth subject. And um, we were taken to the crash right behind the convent school to volunteer. And I had spent a couple of hours there just, uh, you know, taking care of small babies while their mothers had gone to work. And uh, the joy that I got that time was of a different kind. And I think that uh, uh, exposure is what set the foundation to me uh, understanding service and then to uh, take it on, uh, you know, bit by bit through my school and college years. Uh, I started volunteering uh, at Shishaya Home, I think when I was in grade eight. And uh, every time I went uh, somewhere to volunteer, I would try and ask the supervisors that, which is the most challenging area to be. And I would uh, try and be there, uh, you know, with the patients who really needed help the most. And uh, uh, yeah, so that was about uh, school. And then um, slowly, slowly, that kind of, uh, I started choosing that as a way of life. And uh, that's when I decided that uh, uh, I want to continuously do this. And uh, that's very early when I, you know, kind of dedicated my life to service. I also, 
realize that when you do service for others, uh, there is a joy and a happiness that you feel, which is uh, boundless. It's very unique. And uh, that joy is not dependent on uh, getting something from uh, someone else. So uh, a lot of people uh, think that uh, happiness is probably a trade. When you do something for somebody, somebody else needs to do something back for you in order for you to feel happy. But out here, over the last 23 years of my journey with social service, there has been this unique happiness which has always stayed. And that's my reason to be here. Uh, one thing led to another. I uh, uh, had my, I got married early. I had my children very early. And uh, uh, after that, I started uh, volunteering in a few NGOs. I also worked out of Breach Candy Hospital for five years, where I learned um, social service in great detail. And uh, then in uh, 2007, I joined Tata Memorial Center. And even when I uh, walked into the gates of Tata Memorial, way back in 2007, I decided to work with children with cancer. And uh, in 2010, uh, the uh, then head, Dr. Banavli, uh, you know, spoke about how pediatric cancers are different from adult cancers. Uh, pediatric cancers are curative cancers. And uh, the children who get cured of pediatric cancers, they can live healthy, productive life for 60, 70, 80 years and be normal uh, individuals, give back to society. So we should treat them differently. And that's when we set up the Pediatric Foundation. Uh, the Impact Foundation was set up uh, in 2010. And uh, what we did is that uh, we uh, first reached out to almost uh, the children for three years to find out, you know, there were, the abandonment rates of pediatric cancers was very high that time. It was almost 25%, which means 25% of the children would come to the hospital and not take treatment and die eventually. So we reached out to their parents. I conducted almost 300 interviews uh, with parents whose children had passed away over a period of one year. And the Impact Foundation was set up on the learnings of that interview which we conducted. Everything that the parents found a challenge about, we tried to put it together for them through Impact Foundation. So now over the years, we've made it very holistic. It's a beautiful model where every child who comes to Tata Memorial Center for cancer treatment is given complete holistic support, starting with funds for treatment, a place to stay, food to eat, not just for the child, but for the family, travel expenses, education for the child while the child is taking treatment, blood and platelet support, um, enhanced counseling, infection prevention um, support, and lastly, bereavement support for the few children who uh, lose uh, their lives while on treatment. So it's very holistic, uh, the Impact Foundation. And uh, the impact of Impact Foundation is that the abandonment rates, which was uh, almost 25% way back in 2008, it has come down to a 2% now it's over amazing. the last few years. So which means we are being able to save so many more lives. Just to go back, Shalini, that's that's amazing. Why were why was the abandonment rate at twenty five percent when you did your interviews? What were you finding out? Why were people abandoning or not even starting the treatment? 
So there were several reasons. The top uh, three, four reasons during the uh, survey we found out was the financial constraints, mm -hmm. which was the direct cost for treatment and also the indirect cost for treatment, which is like your travel and your stay and so on. Another uh, huge reason for abandoning was the lack of belief in the curability of cancer. Mm. So which was uh, arising uh, from the stigma around cancer and all of this was stemming out of illiteracy. So uh, people did not want to come and take cancer treatment. People were also resorting to complementary and alternative therapy mm. at that time. So things like this exist even today in India to a huge extent where uh, people uh, coming from uh, rural India would want to do other forms of uh, treatment, which they think is a form of treatment, like jhadfuk, jadu tona, mm -hmm. uh, th thinking that it's a gift given by God and that they should not treat their child. They should let the child be. And another very alarming uh, cause was uh, the gender bias, which is again prevalent in our society until today. So. Uh, we used to see that uh, the girl child who are inflicted with cancer, particularly where the treatment would lead, leave a permanent disability, like bone cancers or eye cancers, the girl child's parents would not want to take treatment. And mm. those uh, cases were generally abandoned. So these were the top three reasons for wow. abandonment in our country. So through the Impact Foundation, you all conducted training programs and of course the support for finance and treatment and everything else. Yes. Shalini, I've never seen you unhappy. I mean, I know we're humans and you must be going through that, but whenever I've ever met you, whether it's at Tata Memorial, outside of Tata Memorial, during blood platelets, you know, you've always had this happiness. Is this, does this happiness come from the fact that you're involved in service, like you said, that boundless joy that you speak about. Do you think it comes from that? Or is there a part of you that's just learned to live with the system? We all get used to our environment and our workplace and the kind of things that we do. Generally, people say that, you know, you have to follow some religious path or you have to follow some guru. Uh, you have to meditate. Uh, you have to read good books. Um, you have to, uh, uh, you know, do soul searching and you have to see what is your purpose of life. Mm. And uh, I've been very blessed and I've been very fortunate that I think the hospital and the service that I do, it is such a complete package that it gives me everything that uh, I should need to live my life. And uh, you know, when uh, people uh, come into Tata every single day of my journey, I come across patients who have been diagnosed with cancer. And many of them are curative, but a few of them are not curative. And then they are given uh, this news that they probably have just a few years or just a few months. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, suddenly all hell breaks loose and then they feel that, you know, uh, there are regrets and, uh, you know, they feel that we should have done this or with this limited time, we would have wanted to do this. And then, uh, you know, they probably are reaching up to their God and asking that, why is it me and why am I punished for this? Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that, you know, we hear patients speak when we counsel them. And uh, I have believed that what if each one of us realizes that our life is uh, short, it's definite, and that why wait for something to happen to us to have 
these uh, life lessons or to learn something about life. Why not always think that today is the last day and we need to make it our best and to be happy with what we have and to be content. Yes, uh, we should strive for the best. We should all be ambitious, but we should also find our peace on a daily basis. That should never be conditional. And I think these lessons over the years has helped me uh, be the way I am. No, I think I think that's beautiful, and I absolutely kind of resonate with everything you say because today we're studying longevity. Now you may think like you know the work I do. You may think why am I studying longevity? Because anything that goes towards longevity is increasing your health span. Yeah. So they're not two separate things. So if someone says I want to live longer. They could have cancer or they could not have cancer, but they come with a goal of wanting to live longer. So what do you do? You improve their health span because your health is dependent on how long you live. Right. But for the longest time, the last couple of years, you'll see a lot of information about longevity, supplements being pushed for longevity, certain breeding techniques and stuff. But the research that is unfolding comes directly back to the point that you talk about. It's called positive psychology. I'm not talking about toxic positivity. Positivity. I'm happy, I'm happy, and everyone's like kind of getting so toxic positive yeah. that they're not learning to face real emotions. Okay. What positive psychology means, what positive psychology means is number one, these are the measures. How okay. good do I feel about myself, irrespective of what's happening? Okay. I could be going through a disease, I could be going through a breakup, I could be going through family issues. I can feel those emotions, but at the end of the day, do I feel good about myself? That's number one. Right. Number two, how much time do I spend in the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest, yeah. not stress. Right. I could be having all the organic food and supplements, but if I'm always stressed, right. there is zero scientific connection to longevity. True. The third is service to others, and this yeah. stands out at the top. How can I help Why? either through social like you're doing or even just help my neighbor, help my help a friend, help a stranger because I love the word you use, boundless joy. Yeah. That's what you get out of that. Right. And so we've been looking at this research and then this whole Blue Zone Netflix documentary came and, right. and Dan, he's going to be on our next podcast in fact, which is amazing. Okay. You know, he went to all these blue zones, tried to pick up certain foods, tried to pick up certain commonalities. There were a few. But at the end, in a nutshell, it was human connection, service, right. looking after one another. And that was happiness that kept people the longest living. And when his documentary showed people who were 105, 103, 102, and when I look at our study of we have people who are 102 now, 90, 108, 104, 103, none of them have these size zero figures or six packs or are on supplements or all. The commonality was they just learn to make the best out of life. And their purpose at that particular age or before is to look out for my fellow human beings. Yeah. You know, so you can have service in a hospital, outside of a hospital. And that's why it resonates so much that you are on that path right now. Right. And today, sitting here, you know, with my experience of nutrition and integrative medicine, before when I started off 13 years ago, nutrition was at the top. Obviously, it's my subject. I'm going to say it's the most important today. It's right down today. It's important, but right. it's down. And at the top is, how do we get people to feel good about themselves? And for that, when people ask us, patients want to change, service. We tell them, no matter what it is, get into service. Because that joy that you spoke about, boundless, nothing can ever give it to you. I found that in my career too. 
you know, because we are in not like your service, but sometimes we have our programs where we're treating people free or we're going into situations where there is no expectation. And like you said, that boundless joy that you feel, there is nothing in the world, nothing in the world that can give it to you. Yeah. So I think that's so beautiful what you shared, Shalini. And like I said, I've always seen you radiant and, you know, I just love the work that you do. But now I know and I am going to pick your brains for life lessons along the way. You know, just the life lessons that you've learned and also from, I know you speak to people who may be dying in the next few months. Parents, you know, I have my own lessons from people who are dying on our programs and stuff because they're terminal, end of life. I would love for you to share with us some of these top life lessons that has evolved you, shaped you and that you would love us to know about because you're in the system, we're all outside there doing different jobs and you know, we would love to benefit from some of your life lessons and some of the lessons that you learn from patients who may not live in the next couple of months and eventually die while on your watch as well. Right. So, uh, Luke, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, people who come to me looking for ways and means to do service. Uh, it, uh, school uh, students, college students, housewives, uh, people who've retired. We have so many people walking into Tata, making calls to us that can we come and help in some way. Yes, one aspect of help is the monetary donations that come in because our whole institute, it runs, uh, you know, with the help of, uh, of subsidies yeah. and the government grants and then the donations that come in. But equally important is volunteering. And... Uh, I always tell people who come and anyone who comes to Tata, I always sit with them, have a chat with them. Sometimes we get groups together. And what we tell them is that don't just think of coming to the hospital and volunteering. First, whenever even this thought comes into your mind that you want to do some service, reflect back and see what is it that actually touches your heart. Is it that you want to sit with a child and you want to educate a child? Is it that you want to go to the slums and you want to do something on hygiene? Is it something, uh, do you want to go to an old age home and be with the elderly people? See, reflect that what is it that is actually touching your heart. Take out time and then find out that something that is matching to what you want to do, where is that available? It could be an NGO, it could be a government uh, organization, it could be a hospital. It could be a program online where you're teaching somebody. So don't rush. And I always tell this more to the parents, you know, especially when it comes to college admissions and, you know, when they want to do community service hours in school, they're a little rushed. And I always mm. tell them that, no, let this be a journey for your child. Enjoy it and then come, come to us. And then whenever you figure what is it that you want to do and eventually if you all want to do something with cancer, then... Absolutely, we'd love to yeah. have you. Even when they come to the hospital, uh, we people uh, are a whole uh, community in the hospital. So we uh, function not just with our staff, but with our volunteers, with the parents of uh, the patients and the family members of patients who are already taking treatment. In fact, they help us while their children are on treatment. And then we have our own childhood cancer survivors who are actually the best teachers for the new children who come in. So it's a whole ecosystem there yeah. and we can't do without all these people. <clears throat> so the lesson we learn is that the more the better and we with, you know, 
the cancer uh, you know numbers just going up we need more and more hands and we want people to come and join hands with us so uh, this is about uh, volunteering and uh, also another uh, area which is uh, very close to my heart uh, luke is that uh, i do bereavement counseling and uh, in the hospital we uh, just like in the west you have chaplain services uh, mm -hmm. in the hospitals we don't have that in uh, our hospital and generally it's the doctors or the social workers who are with the families and particularly we know in the icu which children are not doing well and you know they are nearing the end so uh, i get to spend a lot of time with such uh, uh, children and young adults and also with their parents so we have to slowly start preparing them you know for their uh, for for the beginning of the end uh, and mm -hmm. uh, I also uh, have uh, I spend a lot of time talking to such children and another lesson that I have learned and and something that I believe in is that when uh, uh, children or young adults or even adults for that matter when they are walking towards their end they actually transcend and uh, they get a lot of uh, spirit and courage which is coming from God. Mm -hmm. or some universal uh, you know there's some supreme power and uh, we i uh, we see that thought processes transition all that fear which is there initially and uh, it kind of slowly slowly goes away and there's a new strength that comes up and we've had several of our children towards the last few days inspiring their parents that how should they be living their lives after the children are gone away or what should they do or how can they help out with cancer or how can they help the hospital we've had so many parents who formed uh, ngos uh, in the memory of their children who are part of our community in the hospital and who are serving thousands of children you know in uh, around so uh, th these are beautiful life lessons also that i've learned along the way Yeah, I like the one about children because we've seen that as well. We, I remember this case of this young girl dying in her mother's arms, and the conversations that she had before that with with the mother. It was yeah. like it was not her. It yeah. was like there was some supreme force, which I believe is God talking yes. to her, which saying, "Mom, don't worry about anything. Yeah. You know, I'll see you soon. I'm going to be with you. Dad is with you." And a few hours later, she died in her mother's arms. And I remember a 13-year-old boy, brain cancer. and the mother the whole whole family was like literally how they would be when you get to know it's like a glioblastoma yeah. and very very few weeks left to live because there was organ failure but this boy i remember the strength and i'm like where is this coming from yeah. like you can't fake this kind of a strength which gave me strength and everyone in our team strength when we saw this demonstration of yeah so i like what you say about they get this energy but then yeah. why is it so different for adults is it because we've you know kind of lived so much more we have our layers and more fears and you know more thoughts because we still see so many adults resist death you know in their deathbed and their families and i think that makes the process a little more harder for them to you know accept the end of life do you see that as well happening yeah for adults it actually uh, what happens is that there are several phases mm. for children uh, it's relatively more simple yeah. because they don't know what they are facing mm. but for adults because obviously they are 
they're knowing exactly what is happening. It starts with, uh, you know, the news being broken yeah. to them. It <laughs> takes them a while to absorb the news. It takes a lot of time for the family to absorb the news. But even then, we are constantly counseling such patients that acceptance is the most important thing. And then to rethink about what they want to do with, you know, uh, the journey that they have left. So to take uh, their treatment, but at the same time to take care of their minds, hmm. to take care of themselves spiritually. These things all go hand in hand. So uh, it's very important for the whole family in such times to come together and, and to take care of the patient. And uh, sometimes it's more hard for the caregivers than what it is for the patients. So we always sit and counsel actually the whole family together because all of them are in this together mm -hmm. and, and they need to cope with it together. Right. Shalini, uh, now you've seen so many kinds of cancers happening from across our country, which is very diverse, from head and neck to brain to, you know, pediatric cases. So when you sometimes reflect and you look at the rising cases of cancer coming up, you know, keeping science aside, keeping what the newspapers say and the media, according to what you've seen and you've been absorbing and reflecting, why do you think why do you think this is happening based on your thought process of what's changing in life what's changing around that cases are going up it's great that treatment can be curative now at a very different level in pediatrics and stuff and even adult cancers there are so many more treatments there are so many more new technologies coming out which are great but the fact is there are so many more cancers coming in across all ages so you know, I wanted your perspective on that. Just your thoughts based on the feelings of, you know, you, your gut instinct. So, uh, Luke, something that I share with my uh, children, they're both uh, adults, and uh, something that I share with my family is that some in this whole race of life, we've somewhere forgotten how to be simple. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, you know, wake up and we're in a race. We're just racing for something or the other in life. Yeah. Yes, it's great to be ambitious and it's good to race, but we have to learn to divide our life into verticals. And uh, the way I tell uh, myself and my kids is that if today you have to imagine that my life is five verticals, I would say that my most important vertical is me. Mm -hmm. And it's about my physical self, my uh, spiritual self, my mental self, my emotional self. So uh, everything to do with me. Then there is one aspect of my life, which is my work. So my hospital, which is actually my way of living. Uh, the hospital is my way of living. And then there is my immediate family. So that's another vertical for me, my nearest uh, mm -hmm. family members. Then there is my extended family. And then there are my friends, people mm. who uh, you know I'm close to. So we have to take out time and understand what is our life purpose. We have to take out time and see that where is it that we should spend time? What is it that we should do? And all of this, if we allocate time properly and we are intelligent about our day, about our months, about our year, about our total time, I think we'll able to understand the purpose of life better and we'll kind of slow down. Uh, people are always running around, people are stressed, then they're not able to cope up with their own timelines which they have set. Then there's this competition and then in order to 
manage all of that. They start taking uh, things that they are not supposed to take. They are, uh, uh, you know, bending so much towards uh, <coughs> tobacco. Uh, then they are not taking care of their health. There is no exercise. People just, they're just running. So I think the only thing that I would like to share here is that uh, slow down a little yeah. bit. Just take out little time and understand yourself. Understand your uh, connection with the universe first and understand where is it that you need to slow down. What is it that works for you? And the most important lesson is just be happy because that is so important. If you are happy, you'll be able to spread happiness and people around you are going to be happy. So just be happy first. Shalini, that's, that's beautiful, you know, slow down. And, you know, we could talk about the complications of cancer. We can make it sound complicated, which it is, which it is today. That's why, you know, there's medicine, which is constantly transforming. We can talk about nutrition, exercise, all of these things, the environment, the pollution. But deep down in my heart, I completely, completely share the same thoughts as you when it comes to slowing down. Because I believe our own spiritual selves are designed to actually look after us. But when there's disharmony, like you constantly said, stress, resentment, all of these issues happening in us, our own intelligence, which is meant to prevent or even help us when we fall sick, we don't engage that. While we will take medical treatment, and we should, while we will change our nutrition and exercise, I feel that's scratching the surface. But if the foundation of how we feel, the foundation of like, you know, I, I look at science through the sympathetic and parasympathetic. We're supposed to be in sympathetic for a very short period of time. The human body is very resilient with that. And we're supposed to be more in parasympathetic. Even if right now we're in Mumbai and there's pollution around. But the more time I'm in the parasympathetic, what am I doing? I'm regenerating. I'm repairing what the pollution is destroying. But if I have this pollution outside and I'm in sympathetic, I'm not in repair. I'm in inflammation. You know, it just gets worse and worse. And that, that whole piece of advice of yours on slowing down has to be on every medical prescription. It needs to be on many, every medical prescription. These are six cycles of chemo, 30 cycles of radiation, or whatever. Here's your diabetic drug, here's your pill for your headache, but you also need to slow down. down. Yeah. Because then you're engaging your body. We know the body heals, but we also know today with how diseases, you will need certain medications and treatments. But most people have not even harnessed the healing ability of their own immune systems because they're in the wrong system. Yeah. Healing is in parasympathetic. Healing cannot happen in sympathetic. Yeah. And, you, and look at it, look, look around us. Everyone, mostly everyone, is stressed out and moving so fast. And then there's the valid point, but this is life. So I always tell patients that, yes, this is life, but if you're this busy, all the more reason for you to slow down and make times for relaxation, reevaluate. I love how you explain the verticals, you know, prioritizing those verticals. And I did see, I, I like the order as well. You know, friends, it doesn't mean you don't respect your friends and love them, but they have a place in our life based on our priority. Right. <clears throat> and I think you're so clear about how you put everything into a vertical. I think that's a great takeaway for me from you as well on this whole uh, topic that we're talking about today. So coming back to slowing down, I would like to ask you how you manage your stress levels. And was this difficult for you moving into a lifetime of service? Did you face any challenges, you know, family, friends, society, your own internal pressures? Did you face that journey while moving into these now 23 years of service? 
So yes, absolutely. In <coughs> fact, uh, Luke, I come from a very conservative uh, background and uh, I actually got married when I was 18 mm -hmm. and I had just finished my first year college and then I had to travel uh, abroad. I was there for a couple of years. And I remember that when I came back to Mumbai and then I joined uh, Breach Candy Hospital, uh, the only qualification I had was uh, first year of college and uh, uh, volunteering in several NGOs for a couple of years. But uh, I got a lot, lot of support from the hospital. But at the same time, I realized that our society uh, that way is very adaptive. There is space. You just to be, at least to do service, you don't have to have any uh, experience. You don't have to have any qualifications. If you are empathetic and if you are compassionate, you'll find your ways and means mm -hmm. of going and connecting with people and doing service. And that's exactly what I did when I started in Breach Candy. I started putting together all the information. I started putting together all the lists of NGOs. And then I started, uh, you know, counseling uh, families, meeting them, putting them, putting their paperwork in order. And that's what I did in Breach Candy for five years. When I came to Tata, uh, the role was far more challenging because uh, I started off as the secretary for uh, the Impact Foundation and now I'm the officer in charge. So there's a huge responsibility that I have taken upon me. Uh, the, I, we take, the Impact Foundation is taking care of almost uh, four and a half thousand uh, newly diagnosed cases of childhood cancer wow. in our country. And uh, I'm taking care of uh, nine hospitals across the six states of India. So that's the number of hospitals we have. And uh, uh, the responsibility is that no parent should ever feel that their child did not get a chance of cure mm. because they were coming from the poor socioeconomic strata. And that is the only single <coughs> mission and vision that we all at Impact Foundation have. That there has to be an equal chance of cure irrespective of your caste, your gender, your creed, your socioeconomic status, and uh, your, uh, the, the finances that you have, the insurance that you have. And uh, yes, uh, uh, the foundation has grown. Uh, in fact, the model that the Impact Foundation has made, it is economical, it is durable, tried and tested and uh, it's not just in all the Tata Memorial Center hospitals but it's also being replicated across all the hospitals of the country slowly now mm -hmm. and also uh, it's being used by uh, hospitals in similar settings globally so it's uh, it's working very well for us and uh, there was something very beautiful that uh, uh, one of my uh, one of the people who I believe in uh, shared with me, uh, uh, Dr. Mohan Bhagwat, what he said uh, to me a couple of years back was uh, when we spoke about Impact Foundation, he said that uh, he asked me about the work that Impact does and I shared. And then what he said is that this is actually not the complete circle. And uh, I asked him, I said, what is your meaning of mm. the complete circle? And he said, that when a child who gets cured of childhood cancer uh, gets educated, get, becomes a productive and a healthy member of society and then picks up, uh, you know, uh, a good uh, uh, career path and then comes back to the hospital and does some service 
for some more children at the hospital, then that is the day you should feel that the circle is complete. Mm. And, and today I'm proud to share, Luke, that there are so many of our childhood cancer survivors who are coming to the hospital regularly and they're helping our children on a pro bono basis. Amazing. And so many professionals yeah. working with us. So we are so happy about this whole thing that, yes, we have a complete circle within us in, in, in this. Wow. I think those are the seeds that you'll have planted right at the beginning of this whole impact foundation. Yeah. So, Shalini, how, what are your mechanisms when you feel stressed out, when you feel down, when you feel unhappy, when you, feel, when you go through your own emotions? What are your mechanisms to help you feel better? I, uh, Luke, I begin my day uh, with a walk in the morning. Mm -hmm. I either I go to the gym or I go for a walk. And I uh, start with always putting my day in perspective and, you know, kind of going through what my day is going to look like when I walk in the mornings. I never go to bed without auditing my day in my head mm -hmm. that where is it that I have gone wrong and what is it that I should have done better. We have... Uh, Sometimes during in the hospital, we have some bad days when the children who we know very well have, you know, passed away mm. or when we are counseling a child who has become palliative or a young adult who has become palliative. They are the hardest actually to counsel. Mm. So I do have my low moments. There are there is once in a while that I'll just close my room and I'll feel a little sad within. But then we uh, also believe that this is a cycle of life and these things have to happen. We have to be, uh, we have to accept it very gracefully. And this is how uh, human life is designed to be made. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we can best do is that help the family with grief counseling and help them and uh, give them the confidence that they did the best that they could for yeah. their child. So that when they leave our hospital, they are also in peace. And uh, we also ensure that, uh, so these are the few steps that we do, but Yes, I uh, also constantly keep going away for short, short holidays. Mm. I love the mountains a lot, uh, okay. Luke. So every uh, four to five months, I take off alone to some mountain where I Beautiful. go and spend time. Mm -hmm. I uh, meditate. I connect with nature and with the universe. And I try and think about my own life purpose. And mm -hmm. that gives me a lot of strength. That's your recharge. That's my recharge. And yeah. I, I journal sometimes. I write a uh, few lines. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, sometimes a little bit of uh, poetry, so. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I like what you spoke about, the acceptance part, because this morning I was having a conversation with uh, Sister Shivani, okay. and we were talking about stress when it's out of our control, like death or someone's palliative. There's yeah. nothing much you can do right now. And we spoke about this brilliant point of, first there has to be acceptance, that this is it, because in a state of resistance, there's only going to be more suffering. Yes. So now acceptance, and what's the next best thing that I can do? So help the grieving family. Yes. You know, I think that's that's beautiful. And I think that's what most people with stress today have to use. It's actually a very simple formula, but because we want to control and be in control of everything that cannot be controlled, I believe that that's what gets humans the biggest stress. Yeah. Because we do this simple exercise all the time with people, Shalini, when they say we're stressed out, we have this, even if they have cancer or not. But the point is we break it down. What is in your control? Yes. What is out of your control? control. Yes. What you can do, which is in your control, give your 500%, give yes. your 1,000%. Yes. But what is out of your control right now, not tomorrow, right. not in the next hour, 
you need to accept. Yes. And only when you're in that space of acceptance can you actually now move on. Yes. Otherwise, there's denial and there's constant fighting. And I want to go back to a point which really resonated with me, Shalini, when you spoke about you know, spirituality. Some people meditate, some people do all of these things, but you, you find your peace and service. And I think that's beautiful as well because when I look at, and I love studying every religion because I believe every religion is built on common foundations, yes. you know, and, and that co common foundation in religions and spiritual paths comes down to service. Yeah. And that is, you know, I meet a lot of people who say we don't meditate because what we do makes us genuinely, genuinely happy. And I don't believe it's necessary that everyone has to because people who are in service, their energy is at a different level. Their vibrations are at a different level. Yeah. And maybe meditation is a great tool for people who need to come up to there. But I feel sometimes, you know, people say that we can't meditate. We find it difficult to meditate. Your option is put yourself into service. Yes. You don't have to meditate because yeah. in service, everything kind of changes. So, no, that, that's amazing what you shared. Shalini, this has been amazing. And, you know, how can we help? I'm aware I would love for you to speak to the audience. You know, we know what Impact Foundation is all about, what they need. But I would love to, for you today to use this platform to speak about what do you all need at this particular point for the amazing work that you and the doctors, you know, I've had the privilege to spend time with some of the doctors and I know how busy they are, but yet they're able to be so humble and grounded and speak to you. They speak to our patients so patiently, so beautifully. Something's working right in that whole system that you all have built. What is it that we can do to help? What is it that all of us today watching can say, hey, there's one thing that I would like to start doing. I would love for you to speak about that. So um, there is something that I would request everyone to uh, work towards is that I always feel that service first begins at home. Mm -hmm. So you first take care of your own homes, which means yeah. you also take care of the people working around for you, yeah. your staff. And uh, generally when uh, people come in with cancer to the hospital, we see that we are not able to put a lot of them onto the right government uh, grants because their documents are not complete. They don't have their paperwork in order. So uh, it's a request to everyone that help all the people working for you to have mm -hmm. their documents in order. Beautiful. Because that actually takes care of half the problems, mm -hmm. whether you're taking your uh, staff to a government hospital, to a BMC hospital, to any other place for uh, medical help, uh, help them. And then understand the journey that they are going through because if your loved ones are going through uh, some sort of sickness, you are there for them. But you should also be there for the people who are taking care of you. So if they are away from work and if they cannot attend to their responsibilities, be a little easy on them because I see that that's their biggest panic areas. Mm. And uh, that, I mean, that's for the people. And then for the institution, if you want to do social service, first try and... Uh, again, uh, see that even in the hospital, which is the area that you would like to get connected to, whether you want to work for children, whether you want to work for women's cancers, whether you want to work for adult cancers, choose your area of support. And, uh, you know, uh, yes, the biggest way to uh, raise uh, funds is, I mean, to, to, to get everyone to get treatment is to give donations, but material donations, volunteering your time, uh, connecting us to the right people, uh, helping in little, little areas, helping during the festival times and spreading happiness in the hospital, 
there are so many avenues available. So whichever works for whoever. That's amazing. I'm going to post this in the podcast notes so people can work out. Yeah. And even if you have a number or an email address where people can, because we'll have a lot of audience and they were part of the last fund that we did with you all. Yes, and absolutely. a lot of people from around the world, they're eager because yeah. they're not living in the country, but there are yeah. such amazing people around the world who like they feel for causes like this and they want ways to you know, easily be able to help. So we would love those contact details so that we can put it in the show and people can reach out if required. So uh, Shalini, uh, before we end this, you know, what's your advice? You've given us a lot of, a lot of rich, rich you know, gems today, but what's your advice today? I know, and I know I've met your daughter, one of your daughters, I think I've met. Yeah, you've met Devanshi. Devanshi, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. met her, and I'm sure you shared all of your life lessons with her. But today, what's the message you would leave our audience with? So, for example, if you had the entire world listening to you right now, what message would you leave for everyone? That wake up every morning and uh, feel blessed that you have today. Be in the moment, be happy, and uh, if it means to reach out to somebody, to clear something, to resolve something, to forgive somebody, go and do that because today is all you have and today is really precious. Thank you, Shalini. This has been so, so amazing. Thank you. As always, it's a pleasure. I've waited oh. for the longest time for this to happen and I have an amazing team so they make it happen at some point yes. or the other. But you've been just doing fabulous, fabulous work. And one of the main reasons that I've been drawn back to Tata Memorial all the time, I would be lying to say it's just the patients and the people that I see, but it's your energy. I've been inspired from the time I've met you right up till now to continue supporting in whatever way we can, you, thank your patients, you. and everything else that you're doing. Thank so thank you, you very much, Shalom. Stay tuned for more. We're going to continue our journey learning, sharing, and evolving. <laughs>